Let's open with prayer. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. Amen. I think that this applies to most of you. Think back to about a month ago. You were in this gym with a lit candle in your hand, singing Silent Night. Doesn't happen very often to actually have fire involved in our personal worship. We do use it at church a little bit. Candles are lit on the altar. And that's about it. Small flames, no smoke. In Old Testament times, fire was a big part of temple worship at the altar, especially the whole burnt offerings that you can read about in Leviticus 1. That kind of worship involved four out of five senses. The worshiper using his hands, even his nose, as well as the eyes and the ears. Here's the process, according to Leviticus chapter 1. The Jewish worshiper would choose a male animal from his herd of cattle or his flock of sheep, maybe a goat. This would have been an expensive thing to do. He brought that animal to the temple court where the priest would inspect it to make sure it had no defect. Then the owner would place his hand on the animal's head to signify that the sacrifice would be, for the time being, looking ahead to Jesus, of course, the atonement for this man who had sinned against the Lord. Then the owner would kill this animal and cut it into pieces and carry out a washing ritual as the priest gathered its blood to sprinkle it at the sides of the altar. At that point, the pieces would get laid on the wood, fire would be set, and the whole thing would burn up completely into smoke and ashes. Think of that whole scene as a regular reenactment of Christ crucified before the fact. The connections to Jesus aren't that hard to trace, are, are they? Even as the male animal had no defect, so also the Son of God would have no sin. The animal took the place of its owner. Jesus, the Lamb of God, would take the place of all sinners. The animal's blood was sprinkled at the sides of the altar. The blood of Christ was shed on the altar of the cross. Now, what about the fire? Is there any gospel significance to the whole offering burnt up completely? The Bible describes God himself as a consuming fire in Hebrews 12. Isaiah 66 is rather blunt. Listen to how fire and anger, flame and judgment are tied together. Behold, the Lord will come with fire and with his chariots like a whirlwind to render his anger with fury 
and his rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire and by his sword, the Lord will judge all flesh. Didn't God use fire to judge Sodom and Gomorrah? The book of Revelation refers to hell and its judgment as the lake of fire. More than one passage connects fire and flame to God's anger over our sin and his judgment of sinners everywhere. As for Jesus, he said this about his death in Luke 12. I came to send fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how distressed I am till it is accomplished. We know from the Good Friday story that fire did not touch the body of Christ. His cross was not burnt. But didn't he experience something much worse than getting burned alive? On the altar of his cross, he would suffer the very torments of hell in this way. God poured out all of his anger for every sin on him. God poured out judgment on, of us and all people on Christ. It's as if the father was consuming his son in a way that we can't imagine or fully understand. Well, that's not the end of the story, is it? At the temple, the whole burnt, whole burnt offering turned into smoke, which became, as Leviticus 1 puts it, a pleasant aroma to the Lord. Similar words are said about Jesus in Ephesians 5. He loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. God accepted the payment that Jesus made, and he proved it by raising him from the dead, bringing him back to life. More than that, the one-time offering of Christ would be the end of all animal sacrifices and actually do what the whole burnt offering never could do. God's condemnation of our sin and God's judgment of you and me settled. His consuming fire on Christ, so to speak, will cause it to be so that our sins are forgiven and we have a personal release from the consuming fire of hell. Our worship is not hands-on as it used to be for God's people in the past. But don't we have something better than they? They had to carry out those offerings over and over and over until the day they died. We, on the other hand, get to claim and depend on the one-time sufficient sacrifice of Jesus, Christ crucified, which stands for all time. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. To him be our constant praise as we worship him differently by faith, in spirit, and in truth. Amen. We'll close our worship this morning with hymn 358. Stanzas 1, 2, 3, and 6.
6. Stanzas 1, 2, 3, and 6 of hymn 358. 